Welcome to Scuba Shack Radio, episode 67, recorded Monday, September 13th, 2021. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Hi there, everyone. And as always, I want to thank you for tuning in to Scuba Shack Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Cinturapino. Over this past weekend, we marked the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 terrorist attacks at the World Trade Center, Pentagon, and Shanksville, PA. That was a day frozen in time. It is difficult to think about that happening 20 years ago because it seems so fresh in so many people's minds. It is a day that will be remembered forever and hopefully never happen again. On a bit of a lighter note, it has continued to be a very busy dive season here at the shop. We are still conducting our open water classes and just finished up a weekend where we certified four more advanced open water divers. If all goes well, we will be training right through the end of the year. I'm hopeful that that this is a sign of what normal is going to look like going forward. People who want to get out, experience the underwater world, and help us save the planet. We just sat down this week and reworked our 2022 calendar, and it is full. So who says that you get bored when you retire? It's just a different kind of work. In case you missed it, the results are in from the Reef Photo Contest. I didn't win anything, but hey, you can't win if you don't enter. You can check out the results on their website. On today's show, I will be doing another uh, segment of Your Next Dive. This time it will be a little bit different because it will feature a single dive, one of the iconic dives here in New England, the wreck of the Chester Poling off of Gloucester, Mass. Hear more about that dive after Wet Notes, our news and information segment. So, let's get going. This is Wet Notes here on Scuba Shack Radio for Monday, September 13th, 2021. First up today is another idea for diving with a purpose. In one of the most recent newsletters from the Coral Restoration Foundation, the Coral Chronicles, there was a report that CRF is teaming up with the Atlantis Dive Resort in Dumaguete to offer a unique opportunity to participate in a week-long program at the result in helping them build and maintain the largest coral nursery in Dowin. Dowin's actually the town where Atlantis is located. The program is being sponsored by the Coral Restoration Foundation, the Loveland Living Planet Aquarium, and the Mead Foundation. The program runs from September 24th to October 1st, 2022. There are planned educational sessions on coral ecology, along with restoration efforts and techniques. You'll also conduct restoration dives along with some fun dives. This sounds really fascinating. 
One of the pictures in the newsletter showed the table coral at Apo Island. I vividly remember that area when we dove there in 2019. There wasn't any pricing available in the article, and you'll have to contact the hotel directly. If you have the time and desire to dive with a purpose, check out this program and mark it on your calendar. A long time ago, Donna and I lived in Hawaii. That was in the mid-1980s. At that time, we got to experience what was probably one of the first Weiland Walls in Honolulu. If you're not familiar with Weiland Walls, you can check them out. The wall was a large mural of a humpback whale on the side of a building near Waikiki. It was quite impressive. Well, it might not be a Weiland Wall, but if you happen to be near Brant Rock in Mansfield, Massachusetts, you can catch a, a, a view of a mural of a large shark painted on the side of an old restaurant. According to WickedLocal.com, the mural was painted by a local artist, Shane Leonard. Shane was a former football player at Boston College who has a passion for painting and a passion for sharks. Now, the mural is on the side of the former Arthur and Pat's restaurant that closed back in 2015. The shark faces divers as they head down Ocean Street, which is a one-way street, so you can't miss it. Shane says he likes the way sharks show emotion. The photo is pretty impressive. There's no guarantee that the building won't be torn down now that it is unoccupied, but according to Shane, even if it doesn't survive, it was worth doing. So if you happen to be near Mansfield, Mass., check out the shark mural on Ocean Street. About a month ago, Patty Aware Foundation announced their fourth annual Aware Week. Now this year it will run from September 18th through September 26th, 2021. The whole idea behind Aware Week is to empower the global dive community to lead or take part in conservation activities and courses focused on local action for global impact. In the past, Aware has focused on two elements, marine debris and vulnerable marine species. This year, in concert with Patty's Blueprint for Ocean Action, they are adding three more components, climate change, marine protected areas, and coral reefs. Some of the ways that dive shops can participate are by conducting AWARE classes like Dive Against Debris, Coral Conservation, or the AWARE Specialty. Also, like us, you can become a 100% AWARE Dive Center where you provide a monthly contribution in support of the PADI certifications you award. We are very proud to be 100% AWARE. But here's something that Patty Aware Foundation needs to work on. We need more notice as to when Aware Week is happening. I wasn't sure what was happening this year, and our calendar filled up, and we weren't able to get things scheduled. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we have already created our 2022 calendar, and it would be nice to know when Aware Week 2022 is happening. I also mentioned at the top of the show that the reef photo contest results were in and that I didn't win. Well, Scuba Diving Magazine, uh, Magazine's 2021 Through the Lens contest is also complete. The winners were recently released at scubadiving.com, and the photos uh, will be revealed in their September-October special photo issue. They received 1,719 photos from around the world. The contest categories included behavior, compact camera, macro, and wide angle. 
The entries were judged on beauty, originality, and unique encounters. I checked them out, and they are spectacular. I only wish I had the talent and patience to do that kind of work. Now, if you want to get a jump on the 2022 contest, they will start accepting entries January 3rd, 2022, and you can submit your photos through May 31st, 2022. And finally, we recently received our 2022 Aqualung Buyer's Guide, along with information on all the new products coming down from Aqualung and Apex. So I thought I'd give you a little preview on what's on the horizon. First, from Aqualung, they are releasing a new regulator, the Helix Pro and the Helix. It looks like the Helix Pro is a mid-range regulator, and I think it's replacing their core. It has a balanced first and second stage and is environmentally sealed with four low-pressure uh, ports and two high-pressure ports. It is built for cold water and has the automatic closure device, or ACD. The lower-end Helix is not environmentally sealed, and it doesn't have an ACD and it's designed for warmer water. Also coming out in 2022 is their new Aquaflex Men and Aquaflex Women wetsuits. I think it's a a redesign of their tried-and-true Aquaflex line. They also have a 2mm Freeflex wetsuit. Now, the i100 computer is going to come in a new color, yellow. And speaking of colors, they've added a number of different colors to various products, including something called sand, petrol, red, and orange. As for Apex, they also have a new regulator, the XL4 OSIA, and it is billed as a totally sustainable regulator made from post-consumer waste. It comes in gray or mint with some great etching on the first stage. I suspect it's just like the XL4 Plus, being an overbalanced diaphragm regulator with two HP and four LP ports. It looks pretty sharp. And Apex is releasing a new dive computer, the DSX. It it can program up to six gases and monitor six transmitters. The DSX has a titanium bezel, making it lightweight and durable, but also has a color display, and there's something more that requires some more research, Um, It says it has an O2 analyzer on board, but no O2 cell. Got to check that out a little bit. There's a lot more out there, and over time I'll give you more updates from both Aqualung and Apex. Well, that wraps up Wet Notes here on Scuba Shack Radio for Monday, September 13th, 2021. Today, I'm going to do something a little different for this installment of Your Next Dive. Normally, I've tried to take you to a dive destination where we talk about the trip from a number of different perspectives, the travel, the lodging, the dive operator, and oh yeah, the diving. Now, we've been around the world. But today, I'm going to focus on one particular dive that is almost in our backyard. It is one of the most iconic dives here in New England, and that is the wreck of the Chester Poling off a of Gloucester Mass. The Chester Poling was a coastal tanker that sank in a brutal storm on January 10, 1977. The tanker had just left Everett, Massachusetts and was bound for Newington, New Hampshire. 
That information is pretty consistent in the research, but there is other conflicting information about where she had been and what cargo she delivered. For example, some documentation said that she had previously delivered kerosene to New Jersey, while others indicated that the heating oil was delivered to Everett Mass. I would suspect that delivery to Everett Mass to be more likely. Always interesting when you are doing research to get this type of inconsistency. Now, the Chester Poling was built in 1934 at Mariners Harbor, New York, by United Dry Docks, Incorporated. It was originally christened the Plattsburgh Saucony. Somewhere along the line, it also was known as the Mobile Albany, before getting renamed as the Chester Poling. At the time of its sinking, it was owned by the Motor Vessel Poling Brothers, and that was number one incorporated. I wasn't able to find who it was actually named after, but obviously some member of the family. So that's a little bit of history about the ship. Now, on January 10, 1977, Captain Charles Burgess was in command. The forecast for that day was for 35-mile-an-hour winds along with 15- to 20-foot seas. The Chester Poling, Chester A. Poling, left Everett, uh, uh, left Everett at 6.30 a.m. Well, as we all know, forecasts can be wrong. The winds built up to 50 miles per hour, and the seas got as high as 30 feet. Facing the mounting seas, Captain Burgess tried to get more stability by adding more ballast. But at 10.30 a.m., a 30-foot wave smashed into the tanker and broke it in half. The captain called for abandoning the ship. Six of the seven members of the crew were saved. I believe it was the cook, J.O. De Rosa from Providence, Rhode Island, who perished. The stern section of the Chester Poling came to rest off of Easter Point, Gloucester, originally in about 75 feet of water, with the bow section sinking about four miles off of Eastern Point in about 190 feet of water. Subsequent winter storms moved the stern section to its present location about 800 yards off of Eastern Point in about 95 feet of water. I think the bottom might be a little bit deeper than that, however. The stern section of the Chester Poling is what some folks call a Hollywood wreck, sitting upright and is probably the most popular wreck dive off of Cape Ann, as that area is known. Now, I first dove the Chester Poling way back in July 2005. It was my 40th dive, and the double dip on the Poling was part of my advanced open water class. These dives would constitute my deep and wreck advanced open water dives. At that time, I was still diving in a 7mm wetsuit with the appropriate gloves and hood. I used a standard aluminum 80 tank with Nitrox 32. I can still remember the anxiety that I had doing the first real wreck dive in the Northeast. But once in the water, what an amazing dive. The visibility that day was 30 feet and my max depth was at 85. Even though it was July, the water temperature on the wreck was 50 degrees. It was incredible to move along the deck and reach the midship, midship section where the tanker broke in half. Absolutely mesmerizing. But with an aluminum 80, you don't get much bottom time. And after about 15 minutes, we headed back to the upline. And after our appropriate safety stop, we climbed back aboard the boat and got ready to do it again. Total dive time was 26 minutes. 
The second dive that day was just as spectacular and pretty much the same profile. Let me just say, in a wetsuit, it can get pretty chilly. I didn't go back to the Chester Pulling until August 2009, and that was my last trip there. It was my 249th dive, but this time I did it in a dry suit and hoped to get some good video of the wreck. I still dove in an aluminum 80. The dive was just as I remembered and just as exciting. Visibility again was 30 feet and my max depth was 82. With the, and the bottom temperature that day was 48 degrees. Still very cold, but so much better in a dry suit. Again, however, with an aluminum 80, you just don't get much bottom time, especially if you're task loading, like shooting video. So my recommendation is that if you are planning to dive the polling, you might want to consider a little bit bigger tank, something like a Steel 100 or going to doubles. I know that I wouldn't consider going back with anything less than a Steel 100 tank. So how do you get to the Chester polling? Back then we used Cape Ann divers, but they closed up several years ago. And recently, the dive boat Cape Ann Diver 2 was purchased by several guys from Boston, and they are now operating regularly char regular charters again. The Cape Ann Diver 2 is a 45-foot U.S. Coast Guard registered dive vessel. It is spacious and right now, with limited divers on board, you get plenty of room to get ready and dive. But you don't get a lot of, uh, but you don't get a lot of time because you don't get a lot of time to get ready because the wreck is only a few minutes from the dock. So be prepared. One thing different about Northeast wreck diving is that as a diver, you need to bring all your gear. That includes tanks, weights, everything. It's not like diving at a resort. Don't get caught short by not being prepared with all your own stuff. Now, here's an interesting element that I discovered during my research. It appears that in the 1960s, the Chester polling was lengthened by maybe 26 or so feet. That doesn't sound like much, but at the time of her sinking, her length was 282 feet. So that lengthening was about 10% of the original um, ship's length. Could this have been a contributing factor for the ship splitting in half? I wonder. So, if you happen to be in the area of Cape Ann and Gloucester, Massachusetts, you might want to look up Cape Ann Diver 2 and head out for a double dip on the Chester A. Poling. Even though it was over 11 years ago, I still remember those dives on the polling. Now, Scuba Shack is actually running a charter with Cape Ann Diver 2 at the end of September for a double dip on the polling. Monty will be leading the team the day before the public safety seminar at Boston Sea Rovers this year. Well, that wraps up this latest episode of Scuba Shack Radio. Once again, I want to thank you all for tuning in. Hope you had a great summer, and I'll be back again in a couple of weeks with more. So until then, keep diving, everyone. Goodbye.
Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Talk to you next time.